Hello, everyone. This is Parrish Alford of the Daily Journal, and welcome to another edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast where we cover Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer, and Theo DeRosa, the sports editor of the Commercial Dispatch in Columbus. He covers Mississippi State. Guys, how are uh, how are things? Can't complain. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for my first road game. I'm excited to, to head back to Atlanta. It seems like I was just there. Uh, it's been two months, though, somehow, since SEC Media Day, so time is somehow moving quickly again. Well, it has been, and you know what? It's going to be the third time. You know, there was a little Ole Miss presence at Media Days, but the third time in Atlanta in two years, you know, because Ole Miss opened up there uh, last year against Louisville. Theo, I know you had – an unusual road trip. You don't typically get back on Tuesday from a Saturday game, but uh, you know you go out to the Pac-12 and and things change, man. It gets a little harder to to travel and everything. Uh, how was your trip out there to uh, Arizona? It was a good one. Felt like home, you know, a little bit for me being from California. Long ways from uh, Mississippi, of course. Late game, you know, ten o'clock Central Time start. Didn't get over until about two o'clock a.m. Central Time. So. Long night for those who watched it back here, even a long night for those who were there. But Mississippi State 2-0 going into another road trip at LSU. Well, did anybody from California come over for you? Any family or, or was there the temptation to run over for a day or two? I asked them about it, but I, apparently they're too busy. to. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, not not quite for that trip. It's not that close, actually. Yeah, I know everything is spread out. What is it? It's about a four-hour drive, four or five hours drive there from Tucson to to uh, L.A., is that right? It's probably about right, maybe a little more. My dad lives down in L.A., so that would have been about five or six hours, and uh, my mom's up in Sacramento, so that's like 13 hours, and uh, it's not as close as you might think. No, no, everything's spread out there in the West. Uh, All right, uh, look, so both of these teams now on the road uh, this weekend. Uh, State obviously has a a Power 5 game under its belt. Michael, let's start with Ole Miss. First Power 5 game, I know – Lane Kiffin talked earlier in the week about wanting to see more growth from his transfers as the Rebels go to Georgia Tech. I, look, this game interests me. I know a lot of people are kind of uh, are dissing this game because it's Georgia Tech. They've won three games in each of the last three seasons, and and it's kind of like, why is Ole Miss playing them? Well, that was not a bad team when uh, when this game was scheduled like 35 years ago, uh, but. I, I like this game from the standpoint of something new and different. Ole Miss playing a place uh, in a city where they don't normally play, although they played their last year playing an opponent they don't normally play. That has a little bit of interest about it. But what does Lane Kiffin want to see from these transfers uh, in their first road game with Ole Miss? I think this is going to be an interesting one, not necessarily because of the opponent. I mean, like you said, Georgia Tech has had a – uh, a tough few years under Jeff Collins. And, uh, you know, when they scheduled this, I, I imagine it was probably when Paul Johnson was there and that was a, a very solid program for gosh, about a decade or so, however long he was there. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the disadvantages of, of, uh, of planning games so far in advance. But um, I do think that, you know, it is, I know it's Georgia tech and it, it's not going to be the loudest stadium that Ole Miss is going to be at, but it is a road game, and you are going to be starting whichever quarterback it is. It's a sophomore. 
Uh, if it's if it's Luke Altmaier, it's going to be his first road start and only his second start ever. If it's Jackson Dart, I don't know if he started any road games at SC, but he did start many games, period, at SC. And so, again, I think it's 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 about getting you – know, how do you respond under those conditions? And, you know, I think we've seen good Zach Evans, but I don't think we've seen Zach Evans at his best yet. And I think this is the sort of game where – we might see him at his best when, you know, it's different conditions and you need your workhorse to do the things that, you know, he can do. I think it's going to be a big weekend for the running game. I think that, um, you know, I think that they, you know, I know Michael Trigg caught three touchdowns last week, but, but other than that, you know, the receivers haven't been, um, you know, putting up the, the numbers that maybe you would have expected from, um, the sort of caliber of guys they got. I, you know, I think they probably, if I want to see more from Jalen Robinson getting down the field, um, you know, making those those spectacular deep plays that, uh, you know, everybody kind of wants him to make. You know, Malik Heath, you know, I, he's caught a couple touchdowns, but, you know, for the most part, he hasn't done, you know, a, a ton. Um, and part of that is caliber of opponent and, and kind of playing things close to the vest early. But I think you want to see some more from those transfer receivers too. So I think it's an opportunity to just sort of um, – I don't know if it's a litmus test game because I, I don't know if, if Georgia Tech's going to provide that sort of a challenge. But I do think you do learn a lot about a team when you go on the road for the first time and – I know it's not a high caliber power five team, but it is a power five opponent. And, and the talent level is going to be similar uh, to what you'll be seeing later in the year. Yeah. And I know Jonathan Mingo is not a transfer, but he had some really uh, acrobatic catches against the central Arkansas. They were, they were contested catches. Now you can make the whole FCS FBS argument. And maybe, maybe the uh, power five defender might've gotten a hand in there and knocked one down, but that's really nitpicking. I thought Mingo had a really nice game with catches that were really uh, guarded closely. And I, I left there thinking, okay, the playmakers we thought would be at receiver, that that looked like that. And now they need one more. No, they had Trigg. They need one more receiver to jump up and start making some of those catches like Jonathan Mingo was making because in the first two games, this has been the spread it out passing game and not the throw to one guy passing game. So they're going to need somebody else to step up and make some plays like that. Theo, tell me about uh, Arizona. I, I, I'm going to confess and say that I didn't see the game like at all. I, I was not going to stay up for the end of it. Now, listen to the first half. Listen to the first half driving back uh, from Ole Miss and uh, sounded like uh, uh, some success in the running game, uh, maybe taking what the defense gave them a little more. Sounds like uh, for a period of time there were more rushing yards than passing yards. Not surprised by the success. I think State has some good running backs uh, and some depth at that position. But uh, what what did you see uh, from the Bulldogs there uh, at Arizona? It was definitely an impressive performance all around, especially on the offense. Like you mentioned, the running game was getting going really early. Their backs were finding holes. I think Will Rogers is checking to some run plays when he sees, you know, favorable numbers in the box. If he can do that consistently and they can run the ball well, I mean, it's just – another dimension to the offense. And of course the passing game was not flawless, but it was pretty good. I mean, I think Will had something like 313 yards. The only interception was because Caleb Ducking dropped a ball and it went right into the hands of an Arizona player. So um, really efficient, efficient offense, Ducking and Williams with two touchdowns each. And I mean, there wasn't much to critique on offense except a couple of turnovers. 
the one from ducking and then a fumble by Jameer Calvin, a fumble by Woody Marks. They need to clean that up late against better teams, but it didn't really hurt them against Arizona. And of course the defense played well too, but yeah, I mean, about as good as you can really hope for through the first two games. Theo, in early games last year, I know it was a problem, some big plays given up by the secondary. It looks like State has cleaned that up a little bit, but what we're seeing are some big runs allowed, some explosive runs by Memphis late in the opener. I know Arizona had one uh, on its touchdown drive early in the game, and then the defense really kind of dominated after that. Um, What do you see from the Bulldogs against LSU? Will Will Jaden Daniels be a problem for this defense? I think he could be. I don't think they've really dealt with somebody who can scramble a ton. Delora did run around the pocket a lot, but he wasn't really trying to get rushing yards. He was just trying to make plays with his arm. And most of the time they were able to stop that from happening. He did have a couple scramble completions for first downs, though. I think Daniels presents more of a threat. I think he's a better rusher. I think he had something like 730 rushing yards last year. And I think he does have a better tendency and uh, better skill at scrambling but I still think Mississippi State's run defense is pretty solid they did give up a couple explosive plays but overall they're pretty good at stopping the run for a short gain and setting up third and long if LSU can uh, be forced into third and long I think that's a good sign for State's defense and I think they can do that fairly well against the LSU team that hasn't necessarily got it clicking on offense except maybe against Southern last week. Yeah, and and you can't really take anything, can't take a lot from that FCS game. Uh, So you have to look more at Florida State. And and, and they really, uh, they didn't really click until the end, it seemed, until the fourth quarter. Didn't find a lot of consistency. I do think State's defense has been really good at holding opponents to short runs. Would like to see more plays in the backfield from this defense, more tackles for loss, more, more sacks. I know you and I talked about that before. This was a group last year that could get near the quarterback, but didn't get him uh, to the ground always. We haven't seen, you know, haven't seen those uh, big explosive plays from Jordan Davis like we thought we might. Uh, so maybe we'll uh, see more of that this weekend. Michael, you touched on this earlier. Ole Miss quarterbacks, uh, who do you think takes the start uh, at Georgia Tech? I mean, if I was throwing a dart at the board and I was hoping it landed in the right place, I would probably say Jackson dart um, just because, um, you know, I, I think that if we're looking by what both guys did against Central Arkansas last week, and Luke did play really, really well, but he did get injured in that game. And I know Lane Lane has said that, um, you know, he thinks he's going to be okay. But, uh, you know, if we're looking by, you know, what you're sort of looking for from this offense, Jackson Dart was hitting his, his, his throws down the field um, he, he looked really, really, really good against a same de- the same defense that Luke was completing kind of shorter passes against and, and maybe doing some of the more conservative things. And part of that was because he was given some short fields because uh, of some turnovers and whatnot. Um, again, Luke, you know, he had three total touchdowns in that first quarter. He looked really, really good until he, he took that hard hit. But if we're going by what we've seen against the same defense, I think Dart probably looked better um, against that defense. And we've seen Dart start against Troy, and it was a little bit of a mixed bag, but it's not like it was bad. Um, I, I just think that he generally is is going to give you the best chance to, to win. Uh, I think he does a lot of things that 
Um, you know, when you get into those those road games and, and those sort of toss up plays, he kind of can swing things um, in, in your favor, just in terms of, uh, you know, if there's a, if there's a, something wrong in pass protection, um, you know, he can, he, he can make guys miss, he, he can make a play. And so uh, I, and, and, and he does have start more starting experience than Luke. And I do think that um, that does count for something. Uh, I, I, I would be surprised if it's not Jackson Dart, but uh, you know, Lane Kiffin has surprised us all before. Yeah, he has. And it's almost like when trying to guess with Lane, you need to try and like think like Lane. Like what would Lane do? Would would Lane like counter guess? Would he like do this because everybody's thinking of this? Would he would he do something different? And and so anyway, I it seems it seems that signs part signs point to Dart uh for the reasons you're describing there. Uh but I wonder, do you think uh, Altmeyer gained any ground with his first quarter against Central Arkansas? I mean, he really came out and again it's the opponent and you have to take that into consideration but at the same time when these sec teams are playing fcs teams all you can do is execute all you can do is try to beat the guy in front of you try to to make yourself better and certainly i thought he did that in the first quarter against central arkansas he came out he he was passing with with velocity, with confidence, he was accurate, all of those things. And uh, look, he just looked so much different than, than the Sugar Bowl memory that, uh, that people have. And, and, and that's, it's unfair to think of throwing him into that situation back in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, as Ron Polk used to say, I'm going to paraphrase here, that's football. Okay, It, it happens, and that happened to Luke Altmaier uh, back then. But he looked so different in that first quarter against Central Arkansas. Do you, do you think he gained any ground in this? Is there any any more thought to starting uh, Luke Altmaier? I certainly don't think he hurt himself. And I would think that was sort of the biggest thing. I, I don't know how much, like, either guy was going to, like, win the job against Central Arkansas. But I think there was a chance you lose the job against Central Arkansas if you look really, really bad. And Luke looked really good. I think he hit first is six of seven in that first quarter for 90 yards. He had a rushing touchdown. And I know we make a lot about, uh, you know, Jackson's arts mobility, but Luke moves around better than I think people give him credit for. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, he did everything he had to do. And, you know, whichever way this thing goes, I don't think it's that either guy lost the job. I think that's, it's that one guy, wanted or gives the team what the coaching staff thinks is the best chance to win. I, I think when, when Jackson transferred in, I think, and maybe it's foolishly on our part, uh, all our part, we thought it was sort of a foregone conclusion that it was going to be his job pretty quickly. Uh, and I think it's a credit to Luke for, for, for making this uh, a, a legitimate competition. He's, he's done a really nice job. Well, it is another an example of the transfer portal and where college football is right now. Because look, Ole Miss could very well be starting uh, a transfer portal quarterback in Jackson Dart for the rest of the year. It could happen that way, and they could lose Luke Altmaier to the portal. They could lose one of these guys to the portal because that's the nature of college football right now. So the the idea that uh, that both of these guys will be on the roster next year. Um, you know, it's a stretch. It's just not where college football is. I know that Dart's already used his transfer in, but we see guys make uh, multiple moves and, you know. So, anyway, it's been an interesting competition. 
Hasn't been an interesting competition uh, at Mississippi State at quarterback, though uh, uh, Mike Leach tried to make that uh, in the offseason when, when he said that uh, Will Rogers is not uh, actually the, the starter there. But, uh, Theo, I, I want to talk to you a, a little bit about Will Rogers and just, I mean, the start he's gotten off to, it's like he didn't miss a beat. I mean, the two interceptions thrown were really, you know, a miscommunication, a dropped pass. And uh, the accuracy is there. It didn't look like he went downfield as much against Arizona as he did against Memphis. Was that part of the plan, or was that just, again, uh, Rodgers surveying the field and and seeing what's in front of him? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think it's more of what the defense was giving him. I did get that sense as well. He wasn't throwing it down the field as much as he was against Memphis. I can't think of many deep passes at all against Arizona, actually. But he had, you know, three or four touchdowns of 20 plus yards, 15 plus yards in the air against Memphis and four shorter touchdowns against Arizona. Again, I think it's just more of seeing what the defense is going to give you. And it was still an efficient game, of course, but it did harken back to 2021 Rodgers, you know, shorter completions, less efficiency, but still pretty good performance. And like you said, I mean, he's got what, nine touchdowns against two interceptions that really haven't been on him. It's uh, about as good as you could have hoped for right now, and he's got to continue that. But I think he's taken a step for sure. Mike Leach says he doesn't really care for defining moments or defining games. You play all 12 of them, and then you look back. But that's not uh, that's not how most people look at a college football season. I know there are a lot of high expectations for this Mississippi State team, and uh, they have certainly played well in the first two games. Look, I think this is a big game, Theo. I mean, if they if they win this game, it just sets up another big game. I mean, that's that's how you get into the uh, play them one at a time. But it, if they lose this game, it's going to be really hard, I think, for State to come out with nine or ten regular season wins. And that's kind of the goal for this team, I think. That's what they're looking for. They've been that seven-win team. And they were seven wins last year. Uh, and a couple of plays away from being a nine-win team. I mean, so they're they're really close to that next level. They've shown this upward trajectory each season under Mike Leach, this now being his third year. Uh, is this a defining game for Mississippi State? What do you think? I actually do think it is because if you win this one, you're on your way to 4-0 because Bowling Green is next week at home. And then you go into the rest of the SEC schedule on a good note. You're undefeated. You've got a big crowd for the AM game on October 1st. If you lose this game, of course, you're 3-1, and one, already off to a bad start in the SEC, like what happened last year with the game against LSU. And then you come in with, you know, not as much juice to play AM and the rest of the games going forward. Like you said, losing this game would kind of put them behind the eight ball. But winning this game is probably a sign they're going to win, you know, eight, nine regular season games maybe at least go 500 in the SEC play. It is a defining game, even if Leach isn't going to say so, because to win at LSU is, isn't easy. I know they did it two years ago in the COVID season, but we're going to have about five times as many fans there this time around. And I think it'll be different, but I also think State is the better team and will get to 3-0 and and will go on to 4-0 before SEC play starts at home. Yeah, that's something we haven't heard a lot of talk about uh, is attendance at the last game. Uh, big win for Mississippi State and Mike Leach's opener then, but the crowd was 21,114 there in Baton Rouge. They might have a few more than that uh, this week, regardless of uh, the expectations for that team 
right. Yeah, I'm expecting at least 21,116. So. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they're, they're going to push that 22,000 mark, I feel certain. Uh, Michael, um, what do you – I don't see this as a defining game of Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. Really, I think Ole Miss should win without being stressed at the end. But this is also a Georgia Tech team that was just a touchdown behind Clemson late in the third quarter. I think Clemson's still figuring out some things. Uh, what do you see from Georgia Tech? I, I know as, as I've tried to learn about them a little bit more this week, uh, of course, they're not the wishbone team of old, and they're you know several years into a new system, but they have a new offensive coordinator this year. They passed a little more than they ran against Clemson and, and uh, probably dictated their terms a little more against Western Carolina. What do you expect from Georgia Tech against Ole Miss? This kind of feels like one of those games where I wouldn't be surprised if like Georgia Tech comes out and and kind of hits first. It just feels like a game where they're probably going to be pretty up for it. Um, I think it's going to be it's we're going to learn how Ole Miss I think responds in a game like this because um, they haven't really been hit first at all this year um, with with the teams they've played. Uh, I, I you know again it could go totally differently. Ole Miss could score the first four touchdowns. Who knows? But uh, just sort of with what Georgia Tech has kind of shown so far, especially in that you know that opening game against Clemson, uh, they have some they have some talented players. I mean, you know, Jeff Sims is a really talented quarterback. He was a four star kid. Um, obviously, you know, losing Jameer Gibbs, their superstar running back to Alabama in the transfer portal, really kind of hurt them. But uh, you know, they're still kind of figuring things out in the running game. They are susceptible in the passing game. Uh, but you know, there's a talent level closer and I'm not saying it's what you're going to see in the sec, but it's a heck of a lot closer than probably what Troy and, and, uh, you know, uh, central Arkansas gave you in terms of just, you know, pure stars and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I, I think it could be one of those games where maybe it's a little bit close early. Uh, but I think ultimately Ole Miss is – they're the better team. They've, they've got more talent, and I think they are the better coached team. Uh, and I think ultimately that, that's going to have them winning, but, you know, by a pretty good margin. I think two touch, I think the spread right now is like 14, something like that. I think it might end up being more than that um, just because I don't know if Georgia Tech is going to be able to hang and put up that many points. But um, – I, I, th I think it's I think it's going to be an interesting first quarter to see, you know, how the momentum waves kind of settle and, and, and how each team kind of responds. But but ultimately, I, I, I don't think Georgia Tech can can hang for four quarters. Well, travel safe over there and uh, don't get caught uh, in, in traffic. Uh, Theo, wrap us up here, man. Uh, how does this play out in Baton Rouge? I think Mississippi State can get out early and kind of silence the crowd in Tiger Stadium. I think they can get the offense going, and I think LSU's offense won't be as good as people might think. I had Mississippi State winning about 10 or 11 points. I said 28-17 State. 28-17. I picked State as well. I think 29-28. Uh, you know, I'll throw a close score out there every now and then. I think it'll be a, a close game. Maybe it won't come down to an extra point. I don't know if the Bulldogs have, uh, have solved that yet. Maybe they have. Uh, we'll see. Uh, they look pretty good uh, at the end of the Arizona game in the place-kicking department. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast where we bring you Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and the SEC. Thanks for being with us. For Theo DeRosa and Michael Katz, I am 
Parrish Alford, come back and join us next week.